0: Hi, everybody. I'm Mandy, and this is Mandy Speaks Up. I welcome you on this episode, which I'm super excited because this story is going to be a little bit different for the fact that Juanita Brown's story is one of so many that enter into the this cult, this church. And they may not be up in the ladder. And so they may not notice a lot of the abuse that goes on um, that people have attested and have claimed that, you know, by their regard that there are, um, uh, you know, emotional, psychological abuse going on. And um, but then there are those that enter into this place and are just um, like you would say a normal member. And so I want to talk with her and um, Juanita Estrada Brown, okay? She's going to share her story after 30-plus years leaving The Door Christian Fellowship Church. It's a connected to the Potter's House CFM church cult. It just goes by another name, and this name is The Door um, in San Antonio, Texas. And yes, it is still there today. We're going to be talking about how a knock on her door, a knock on her door changed her life, but also how perhaps choosing to not become a teen bride, graduate high school and go to college probably led her out of that place years later and kept her from so much more scars and, ab- and wounds and uh when i first asked wanita if she would share her story she told she told me something like well i don't really have a big bad you know story to share like some other people that i've interviewed um and i really wanted her to share her story because even though she may not have this big bad story um that others may claim that they have and i've interviewed people like that and i have one but the the fact is that she still um was a witness to the fear the fear that they instill inside of you the fear of hell the fear of the rapture the fear of the pastor also known as the cult leader um because basically these men these leaders are treated like royalty so submission to this man and other leaders which are all male um, becomes a top commandment. And so the fear of questioning, the fear of leaving, the fear of being cursed, the fear of going to hell, this is all psychological and emu- emotional abuse. And that's why I wanted Juanita to really share her story because there may be those that are watching that are either in this church or they have left um, but because they don't have a big, bad story, they just assume that, well, um, no, why should I share my story? Um, but I'm so I'm so thankful to have you here to share your story. and because um, I want others to see that you can experience the fear of just being in this environment, and that is enough. Like that's a red flag, okay? And so thank you for being here. And so we're going to go into your story, Juanita. Uh, I want you to start with the knock on the door and how a knock on the door changed your life at 15 years old.
1: Yes. Thank you for having me, Mandy. Um, yeah, I just, uh, I grew up Catholic and I always thought I was really a good girl. loved going to church, did all the sacraments as I was supposed to uh, in that religion. But I um, I, our home life was um, difficult, like I'm sure a lot of families. Um, my mom was a single mom raising three daughters, and then um, in addition, uh, three grandchildren. And being a single mom, she had to work a lot, um, and a lot of the responsibility to care for um, the grandchildren or my nephews and niece came fell to me or my other sister. Um, and so I, I remember it was just some one summer day um, that I was at home with watching the three little ones watching TV and having a knock at my door, um, and it was a young woman who um, asked to share the gospel with me, gave me a track, invited me out to church, um, witnessed to me, and asked if I would want to say the sinner's prayer. Um, I was having kind of been shy, non-confrontational, um, I decided that I we'll would go ahead and pray that sinner's prayer, more so just to, you know, to appease and be done with it. Um, but she was really nice. I mean, her approach also, if it had been any other approach, I probably wouldn't have, but, um, you know, very, very kind, um, woman and, I, I saw, I prayed with her. Um, when we were done and she had, you know, invited me to come out to church, one of the first questions I asked her was, well, can I, you know, have prayed this prayer, but still continue going to my own church? And one of the things she had mentioned at that time, she's like, but, you know, um, but I could, but I, that I would really want to kind of get connected into a church that preaches the Bible or, or you know, opens the Bible, preaches the Bible, and um, invited me out to church, probably that following day, because it would have been a Saturday outreach. Um, And, you know, being that I was 15-year-old, I wasn't driving yet, you know, offered to pick me up and give me a ride to church. And um, so that's where it started. And I, you know, quickly got involved with, um, you know, attending the The frequent church services, uh, spending time with this woman who had witnessed to me, Um, she was probably mid twenties by that time. uh, At that time, and um, had invited myself and a few other young um, converts, young women, um, to her apartment. You know, for snacks or you know, just to talk um and so it kind of started from there that she was kind of my first point of contact and like i said i really think if it had been it maybe any other personality um you know i i may not have been um a, as willing um to to continue to go but she was uh, she i could still say she's a very genuine person um and then you started getting involved with teen bible study groups and and just all the other events um, and programs. So did it happen? Did it
0: happen right away? Like uh, you, you went the initial. You, you, you know, you were invited. You went in. Um, how long after were they now inviting you every day? Because now this isn't just like a Bible study. Now they're asking you to come basically almost every single day.
1: Right. I think pretty pretty soon after, especially being that it was a summer. You know, there was not much else for me to do. And honestly, I think. For me, at that time, it probably felt like an escape. You know, it's like I'm at church; I don't have to babysit these kids, or I can bring the kids with me and you know put them in nursery or or Sunday school, um, or children's church. And so, um, yeah, it, it wasn't. It, it didn't take long, and honestly, I said I, I just, it was more tiring. I guess <laughs> you know being a young person than saying like, oh, you know, it was. Um, that I saw it as something
0: because it started kind of as fun. Thing. Yeah, yeah, it started fun. You're 15 years old. Um, initially, what they're doing is love bombing, right? Um, mm-hmm. c- can you attest? Can you do you would you say that that's what they began to do by um gathering you with other teenagers your age to make you feel welcomed? Um, inviting you out for ice cream, yeah,
1: yeah, um,
0: and taking you out, um, picking you up because you didn't have a car, so now they're able. To um pick you up. And so on the outside, it almost looks like it's just some friends picking yes. you up, taking you out, you know, instead of a party, they're just taking you to church. So it doesn't seem dangerous. It doesn't seem like this is gonna go anywhere. Um yeah. Yeah. right. But yeah, I didn't so I wouldn't have recognized it,
1: <clears throat> excuse me, as that initially. But yeah, like you said, I mean, and again, having been kind of a, a shy introverted person and all of a sudden, you know, around people that seem genuinely, you know, wanting to, um, spend time and befriend me. Yeah. That was right. an so, appealing.
0: Yeah. So it feels like, you know, Hey, they're just my friends, but mm-hmm. then it starts. Um, now they they begin to teach you how to recruit other uh, people, which is converting. So they're they're, now you're a convert. You're a baby convert. That's what they like to call it. And now they're teaching you how to recruit because now because you're a 15-year-old, um, hey, you're, you are you an adult. It's going to be easier for a 15-year-old to convert other teenagers than it would be for an adult. So okay. now they have exactly what they want. And so they're teaching you how to recruit. Um, but you say you have some regrets about recruiting others to this place. Well, oh, yeah. what and um, I just want to jump ahead a little bit. The sure. the, the woman that ended up knocking on your door mm-hmm. when you were 15 years old also has come to conclusion of I regret ever inviting you out. Would you like to share that really quick?
1: Yeah, it was actually just um, a few months ago. I was back home in San Antonio visiting and my sister, um, who had also been part of the the church, as a result of mine having me having invited or brought in family members, um, though she's no longer attending, had has been in touch um, with this person that had initially invited me, who's also no longer attending, and um, mentioned to me that she had told her that, um, and I clarified that since we last spoke, she said that. Um, she remembered me fondly and if she had known then what she knows now, she wouldn't have shown up at my door and dragged me to church. Um, and, you know, and that she ended by saying, um, to please give me a hearty apology for like ever having gotten me involved. Um, and, you know, I never, I never like once really blamed her or, you know, put any fault on her because, you know, at that, I, not that I wasn't willing to take responsibility, but I did the very same to others, you know? Mm -hmm. So like at the time you really think you're doing God's will or you're doing right. So you don't recognize it as having been something, you know, that you did wrong. And
0: I still, I mean, yeah, so they're they're teaching you how to convert as mm-hmm. a teenager. Are you are you doing that? Like, how are you able to go out? What are some things that you did to help convert to like help bring people in? Well, you know, I know you mentioned you went to some um, invasion teams, uh, which is uh, just something. It's like a mission work, like a missionary work right. where where you go overseas and help convert. Um, and so you those were techniques that you did to help convert others. And you shared some pictures with me. Um, and there's one picture I wish I could show on here. There's one picture um, that you showed me and it, all you guys have your hands, you know, praying. And um, I, I I looked at that picture and I said, if that doesn't look like a cult, I don't know what, <laughs> you, you know, everybody looked exactly the same. And it just, I mean, I'm like that, that, that picture alone, but but you were an invasion team. you were doing missionary work to help convert others. Um, so that was one technique that you did, right?
1: Right. So that was pretty much um, you know we call it outreach A Saturday, usually Saturday outreach or any kind of uh, major event that may have been going on in town, you know that was uh, the time to be out there and preaching the gospel and on your bullhorn. And so uh, I mean pretty, pretty quickly, it you know got um, invited or asked to attend the the outreaches, um, pass out flyers, which always, you know, to this day, I, I do not like, you know, that it's very hard for me to, um, whether it's polling a person or whatever, it's just that confrontational technique just does not appeal to me. But um, yeah, uh, I did attend just you know, several invasion teams. Usually they were actually local, like helping out what they call the baby churches get started. So going to another town within the state or out of state, but there was, um, one major one that I did, um, down to Central America during the time that I was there. Um, but yeah, so that, and then when I started going to school or sorry, to church, I was attending a magnet high school and, um, because I didn't really have, being a magnet school, is everybody around the city. Um, I didn't really have anyone that I knew or could be friend just because it was so far, you had to be bused. It was not like I could continue, or it was hard to maintain those relationships outside of church or outside of school hours. So um, one of the things that I did, kind of as a result of having started going to the church, was um, transferring back to my home school because several of the the students or kids that were going to church to the church also attended my high school. So it was kind of a matter of coming and having that support and being among Mm. saved peers type of thing. Um, And so once we were there, I know there was oftentimes, I never did it. I always, that's one thing I could not bring myself to do, but especially the guys were really um, strongly encouraged to do the whole Um, preaching in the cafeteria, standing on the table, preaching um, in the lunchroom during the lunch hours.
0: And this preaching is basically damning. Yeah,
1: yeah, basically. Mm -hmm. Very
0: confrontational. Um, You're going to hell if you don't get saved, if you don't believe what we believe in. We're the only church. Um, So it was very, um, very aggressive. Yes. And the thing is, is this... Wasn't just being aggressive to help bring people into the kingdom of God. This aggressiveness stayed with so many of the members, especially the men, because the men were um, esteemed very highly um, to have these traits because then you were a strong, tough, macho man. And the men that uh, didn't have a lot of these attributes, so you would say a man that was just, you know, more chill, more calm. Um, then they were, you know, ridiculed um, to become stronger, like, you know, mm-hmm. don't be such a wuss. And, and so get up on that table, get on that bullhorn. Um, and these men were taught to be very aggressive. Um, mm-hmm. And this also led to aggressiveness um you know in marriages and behind closed doors but that's for a different story but um i want to talk about how you became familiar with shunning because it was um one year after you were recruited and converted into the door um that's when you when you learned that they were shunning former members after these people would leave or get kicked out. And now you were not allowed to speak to them. Can you share a little bit about um, how you became familiar with shunning?
1: Yeah, that the major, um, you couldn't help but but notice maybe it had been occurring, you know, beforehand, but I didn't recognize it. But it was the fact that um, all of a sudden we learned that our pastor, um, the pastor that I got saved under uh, was being sent back to the home church um, and we were getting a new pastor. So, okay. But um, then I learned that while I didn't really have a relationship with, I really, they seem like nice people. I, you know, it wasn't long enough time that they were there for me to really develop a relationship, but they they seem like really kind people. Um, but there were other members that I knew that did have relationships or friendships with them. And um, so once they left, I remember some of those telling some of those people telling me that they um, were told that they could not have any communication. They should, you know, shouldn't be talking to those pastors anymore. Um, You know, they needed to cut them off. And I remember being so confused. Like, what did they do that was so wrong that, you know, I never saw or recognize. And, and it's one thing, you know, I would see as far as many times over during my time there of people being, you know, sent back for redirection or, but, um, the the fact that then they were just cut off and we're not, nobody was supposed to have any communication with them. Um, I, I never did get, you know, the scoop or whatever, as far as what, caused that to happen but it just seemed to me of you know a really strange practice but then it also to who you know who it occurred or, you know who that happened to it's like you know going from one day to this revered you know
0: mm-hmm. leader
1: pastor and then now like have nothing to do with them
0: right it was very um you didn't understand. Here you were, yes. uh, like, "Hey, I thought we we're supposed to be loving and and supportive, and now you get a taste of if you don't do it my way, and you get kicked out, or you, you know, we shun you. Nobody's gonna talk to you, and it's it's a real thing, and that's a red flag, and that again, you can research into uh, cults and what makes an environment a cult, and that is on the list um, is shunning. So uh, for those that may say, well, no, I don't think it's a, I don't think the Potter's House or the Door is a cult. Maybe they're just a a bad church. Uh, No, that's actually uh, researched as cults that that is an attribute. So that automatically puts them on that list. So let's go into some of the weird, crazy, strange cult things, (laughs) because some people can say, um, I know that if they've never been in a cult, they automatically... Have all these ideas of what a cult can be like Mm -hmm. and some of those things weren't done in this place but some of it could could um did um one of them i want to go into is um where they where they made they did a bonfire or they made you burn um everybody was encouraged to burn your items that were bad
1: yeah yeah um I mean, being a teenager, a lot of the little collectibles and items that, you know, have cutesy things. um, I remember having, you know, unicorns, you know, figurines and posters. My sister, you know, I was never that big into it, but like the horoscope and things like that. Um, And, you know, being strongly encouraged on several occasions. But um, I remember pretty early on, you know, being told kind of gather those things and, you know, we're going to dispose of them. We're going to burn them, you know, get rid of them. They, that they hold spirits behind them, you know, these spirits of witchcraft or sorcery or, you know, rebellion, whatever it might be and that it was like, Oh no, I don't want, you know, I don't want to be cursed. I don't want those on me. And that's so, um, not that it was easy, you know, it was was hard to understand at first, but, you know, you heard it enough times, it's like, okay, it must really be a bad thing, and I shouldn't have these in my home if I really, I want to be a follower of Christ, and so, um, yeah, you know, it wasn't just one event, I mean, it was something that was kind of um, preached on regularly, especially if you had something going on Um, some difficulty or some illness or whatever it was always kind of brought around to like you know what are you holding on to or what that it was a you know there must be a reason that you know that you have you're attached to this you know item or um this feeling whatever it might be and so look around you look in your household what are you holding on to and you need to get rid of that so um so yeah And, and those were like you know some of the the thing that I remember, he you was know, like, "Oh, unicorns!"
0: Oh <laughs> having to do with unicorns, I had to get rid of. Yeah, I um, I do actually remember that happening as well as a young new convert, and um, they were even against piercings. You know, I remember having my tongue pierced, and and they were against that. Um, I remember people throwing away uh, letters from. You know, it could just be letters, it could be pictures, uh, it could be crosses, even them yes, being, re- yes. you know, them being religious and e- even crosses were not allowed. Crosses? no, no,
1: that's an idol because it has the image, and yeah, yeah, I mean, jewelry with a cross
0: on it was a no no, mm-hmm. and angels. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it was so much, it was so much, and so, um, that's a, a weird cult thing that I would say that's kind of weird there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, let's go into, uh, the fear of hell because this is something that, um, whether you're up in the ladder or you're not, this is put into you very, very quickly. And actually it is something that probably even causes you to join and causes you to stick around because the fear of hell, Mm -hmm. um, you just, you just want to, you just want to be good and make it to heaven. And you just, yeah. so you obey all of their rules and all of their commandments. Um, so, but they constantly spoke about going to hell and the rapture.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, yeah. and you talk about an incident that they did that was very, very weird. Another weird culty um, experience. I would like you to share about something that they did one evening or one day at this church um to to really show you um the fear of hell and the fear of the rapture what did they do
1: yeah it actually happened during the time i was there it happened at least a couple of times but that first time i recall um you know we're just in the middle of a service pastor's preaching all of a sudden it just goes pitch black and just dead silent and everyone's just kind of you know, it's quiet initially, and then you start hearing kind of people moving around and wondering what's going on. And after I don't know how long, um, the lights eventually start, you know, turn back on. And um, I remember the pastor asking about how many of you did that fear, you know, or what they likened it to is that, that just as quickly as that happened, that's how quickly Jesus, you know, will be coming back. When the rapture comes, it's gonna—he's gonna come like a thief in the night, and it's gonna happen that quick. And if you were scared, you know, and had that fear, then you know your like your heart is not right, or that, that you're not that that if that caused fear in you, that it was likened to you not having your heart right. Because if God's going to come that quick, and if He had come and taken us all up, then you know, you're if you thought if you were afraid of having been left behind, um, then there's something wrong, and you need to get things right. Um, But yeah, it was just the fact that it was like all of a sudden, you know. Yeah, it it, it was more than just the, the thought of like a power outage. You know, it was just. The fact that it was um, the, the time that it took and just being pitch black and um, it, it did. I mean, it was for me, it was a fear and wondering what was going on. And then once,
0: you know, hearing that. Um, yeah. Scare tactic. Exactly. Scare tactic. So they turn off the lights. Um, there's really no windows in the buildings. Um uh, you're only what 15 when they did that. Yeah, I'm still you're 15, 15 and and so you have a building mostly with the you n- no windows. The lights are off. Uh, this is a scare tactic to make people feel the fear of, of being left behind. And for those that don't know what left behind means or the rapture, so this is something that they believe. Is going to happen and you know jesus is going to come back he's going to take all the people that were good and listened and obeyed him and everybody else is going to stay here and have to be tortured through all kinds of physical terrible terrible stuff and uh high chances that you're going to end up going to hell if that happens to you and so they turn off the lights and they want you to feel that fear um and basically it's it's to keep you in submission and to keep you obeying their rules, their laws and um, very good scare tactic for, especially if you're a young girl. But the thing that is very risky for me for you sharing that story is they're turning off all the lights. You're 15 years old. What are the risks? Um, You know, if I had my 13 year old daughter come home one day um, and say, yeah, I just went to church. Oh, good. Right. People would think, Oh, how cool. You know, that's awesome. You're going to church. Yeah. um, But they turned off all the lights. And said that we probably would be left behind. Um, wait a minute, you're you're 13, they're turning off all the lights. Um, there's adults, there's men in there, there's there's kids there, there's you know, minors in there, they're turning off all the lights. If, if that's not a red flag, then I don't know what it is. Like that's an immediate red flag. They're turning off the lights. There are risk factors. There are risk factors. I mean, it could even go into legal matters, honestly, with that. Um, that's just very, that's scary. Um, and which takes me into the next thing of no background checks. We're going to go into no background checks. So, um, I know that you were only 15, but there are youth leaders, there are nursery workers, there are children's church leaders. Um, from what you can gather, was there any kind of background checks going on?
1: No, no. I mean, nursery was one of the first ministries that I got pulled into, and I think most women do. Um, and then later on, children's church. Um, but no. And, and that wasn't even a, a thought, really. I don't think that that would be so- something. that It's just part of your duties, part of, you know, serving... part of the church and serving others and you just do it but um
0: so you no background check done on you no and no but and um i you know just to throw this in there i had at for at one time i was also the uh children's church youth leader's wife Mm -hmm. um and i can say that we never not once had a background check done on us um of course we were clear but if we, there was no background checks on us, um, that means I don't think anybody was having background checks being done on them. Right. Um, and on my last interview with um, Tiffany, um, if you haven't checked that out, all the links to my other interviews are going to be below soon. So I want you to check those out. But with Tiffany um, there was an incident where there was a, um, a predator in the cult, but because, um, was no background checks they didn't uh, they didn't know that and um eventually the man did did uh proclaim that in his testimony that he was a had been a was a sex offender and even with that they still didn't do anything about it um with with you know with her knowledge and and you know with the knowledge that she states that um they didn't do anything about it and they actually um in the fact that his testimony was so bad and gross and and terrifying, but at least he was coming to church now.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: So they were very welcoming to him. Um, but apparently to these pastors that, you know, welcomed you or that were the pastors that when you got saved into the San Antonio, Texas, uh, church, they got shunned Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: we don't know what they did. Um, but the sex offender, in you know Colorado, in Tiffany's uh, the Potter's House Church there in Colorado, uh, he was allowed to stay. So I, hmm, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know if these uh, pastors did something. What could I mean? They apparently right, they, right. apparently they did something worse than that if they were shunned. But it you know it doesn't make sense. Yeah. But um, so yeah, no background checks on uh, nursery workers, children's church leaders. Um so I want to go into you are now being encouraged to be a teen bride, and that's actually when you started getting some red flags, I believe, and you started thinking something's not right. Um, because now they're encouraging you to hey, it's time to get married. And you're like, what, 16, 17, 18 years old?
1: Yeah, I mean, honestly, I just Pretty, again, early on in our teenage Bible study and in services, that's the message that came across quite often. I mean, it's like serving God and God's will for your life is, um, you know, serving the church and saving souls. And that's like priority. And so um, that ahead of any kind of job, career, college and you know, they pastors, you know, preachers, evangelists are put on such a high pedestal that um it's something that you aspire to. And whether you know, even if it wasn't overtly said, you know, all you guys need to become pastors and all you girls need to become pastors' wives, that's certainly the still the message that we got. It's kind of like, you know, that's gonna be If you're ever climbing the ladder in the church, I mean that's the Mm. where you want to get to. You want to be a pastor's wife, and you know how do you become that? What do you do to prepare? You know, and and so um, yeah, I I mean my my mom having been a single mom and having been a nurse, um, growing up always thought I wanted to be a nurse as well, Um, but once I was in the church my whole thing was like, Oh yeah, I just eventually want to get married and, and have babies. Um, I thought my ideal was going to be like after I graduate, get married at 18 start having kids at 20 and become a pastor's wife eventually. Um, but yeah, I, you know, graduate school graduation came and there was no prospects. And so, um, yeah, yeah. Um, Again, with my mom, having been a single mom, she was widowed when I was really young. Um, I knew the reality of, you know, anything could happen, you know, saved or not saved. Um, You know, they tell us your life isn't guaranteed. And so I I had also recalled hearing a story um, sometime in the 80s. I can't remember if it was Prescott or um, Tucson Bible Conference, but that there was actually like a drive-by shooting that happened and somebody, uh, a a man sitting in, service at the church was shot and killed. And so his wife was left, you know, widowed with young kids. So it's kind of like, for me, it was a reality that this could happen in or outside of the church. So I thought, okay, well, meanwhile, while I'm waiting to meet somebody and get married, I guess I'll go ahead and go to school, at least, you know, get myself a certificate or a degree. And so I decided to, um, to go to community college and Um, started an x-ray tech program and wound up getting my associate's degree and um, you know so now I'm 20 and still no prospects. Um, The church was growing but I mean it's still pretty slim pickings I guess and there just wasn't any prospects like okay well um, I wound up having getting my
0: own apartment having my own car Congratulations, because I I just want to share, like, for other people, they might be like, okay, well, what's the big thing, the big deal, okay, she went to college, she got her own car, her own apartment, but you have to understand that in this place, teenage girls are encouraged to marry ASAP, and teenage girls were never encouraged, well, I wasn't, I was in it at 16, we were not encouraged to finish high school, go to college, and definitely not get our own apartment, um, we needed to hurry up and get married quickly, 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 and stand behind our husbands. So Mm -hmm. the fact that your story is, is your bravery, bravery. I, for those watching that, you know, maybe there's some, a young girl watching this, hits inside of this quote. Like, I feel like you are an inspiration, Juanita, because you went beyond their limitations. you, that alone is so big. And if you've ever been in this cult or a cult that did this, or I mean, this is huge for you choosing to finish high school and go to college and get your own apartment and get your own car. Um, it that is just in itself freaking amazing. Um, but it didn't feel amazing at the time because yeah. you had all this and you're not, you're now you're a threat. Um, so you feel like nobody wants to marry you. These guys don't want to marry you.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, so nothing's happening. still no prospects. Um, I figure, okay, well, this nursing program became open and available to me and I had most of the prerequisites already. So I thought, well, I guess I'll just keep going while I'm waiting, you know? And um, but as I was going on, you know, I actually the fact that I had wasn't able to meet anybody because, you know, we definitely in in the fellowship you are strongly I don't even say encouraged. You're pretty much like told you cannot look for a mate or spouse outside of the church, not even within the fellowship. It could be that you know another baby church or whatever that they planted down the street. Even that's not you know, technically allowed. You they want you to meet and date and marry somebody within your own church walls. And so like I said, there just really wasn't anybody. And the few that were in um they weren't interested or you know it didn't seem like they were interested and in, kind of thankfully so. <laughs> um but it actually, because I had, you know, these thoughts and ideas and plans, you know, that and starting to see some of my, um, my peers, you know, some of the other youth that were in my Bible study group and graduated with me, starting to date and get married, I started kind of feeling um, really down about myself, like, what is wrong with me? I mean, my self-esteem was kind of at an all-time low because I thought here I'm trying to do, you know, like better myself, you know, make myself a better prize, you know, in some ways to somebody. But instead I'm like, I'm nothing, you know, nothing's happening. I'm getting older. Um, I guess I must be hideous. I mean, that's how I felt. Like, it's like, nobody wants me because I'm hideous. That must be it. Or I'm not spiritual enough. Like what, what is the, you know, the the issue or the problem. And so, um, yeah, my self-esteem was kind of at, it really hit uh, pretty low during the time that I was there.
0: Yeah. And so do you feel that, do you feel like maybe they were threatened because you had your own, you had your own degree, your own car, your own apartment, your own money? Um,
1: Yeah. It never occurred to me, you know, at, at the time, as I, over the years, as I kind of look back, back on it, I, I will I think that was the case. Um, I mean I did <clears throat> excuse me eventually kind of date somebody. Um, but this was somebody that was um, a year younger than me that I knew from the young the, from the youth Bible study and um, just really good friends, really sweet guy but you know, it was just strictly just gathering as friends um, which is again part of the dating within the church. I think one time, we happened to go and eat dinner together. That was like the, the only time, but usually even that probably wouldn't, you know, I don't know that we ever confessed to that. I mean, because usually you needed to go as a group, you know. Um, But I remember um, shortly after that, people starting to talk about, oh, when you and -and so-and-so get married. And I was like, wait, 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 you know, that's, no, like, this is something I had been wanting, you know, but, um, or thinking, you know, that I had wanted, but then when they did kind of feel like I'm getting married off or, you know, paired up with this person, I realized that that really was not what I wanted, at least not with that. Or like, if, you know, if this was almost a feeling like that would have been my, that was my only option, um and yeah i said very sweet person um but that's not what i wanted awesome I wanted.
0: <laughs> and i i see that as it that initially saved you i i feel just the fact is you know do you do you feel like maybe if you would have ended up becoming a teen bride do you feel that that could have been an obstacle
1: oh yeah yeah um because you know, even though I had wound up initially getting that first degree, um, I still was thinking, you know, I that it's not that I wanted to be this career person. I just wanted to be a degreed housewife. You know, I wanted to get married, have kids. But if something should happen to my husband, then I had something to fall back on to be able to support our family. And um, so,
0: yeah. <laughs> Sorry, lost my train of thought um, with the question. Yeah. Um, so let's go into, um, some of the ways that kind of helped you leave, eventually get yourself out of there. But before you left, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's a whole layer of the fear of leaving the fear and the curse of, of leaving. And so even though you can, someone can get to that point of like, okay, I'm going to leave this place. Um, then there's all the layers that I feel like you have to kind of peel to be like, oh, I don't know if I should because all this fear and all this yeah. scare tactics that they've done on you. Um, now we have to clear that. And that's really hard to do, especially if you've done it for years and years and years. Um, and you eventually left in 1995 uh, 95. 95. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that I brought you could, you know, maybe helped was that you met a friend outside of the cult because you are not encouraged to meet people outside of the cult, Um, but you met a friend outside of the cult. You ended up going on a trip Mm -hmm. and you can share about that.
1: Yeah. Um, I, during nursing school. So after I, like I said, I continued on um, in school just because there was nothing else happening (laughs) in my life. And so I wound up going to nursing school and um, I met uh, uh, another young lady that lived fairly near me, and so we initially met um, because we decided to carpool. And she had a somewhat similar background. She came from a very um, conservative church with the the women, you know, no makeup and long skirts and dresses. Um, And so, you know, we just became close with the the, um, carpooling and started spending more time together. And um, she was actually in a dating relationship though, and I wasn't, but we um, still kind of like, oh, wanting to go and just experience life or explore and and do things. And so um, we wound up probably within that first year of knowing each other, decided to take a a trip to Cancun. And it was a, a cheap trip we could do, you know, pretty affordable and, Um, So she and I wound up going there. And during that time, it was just, you know, the fact that, again, that curiosity and being so far away from people thinking that, you know, nobody would see decided to try drinking, you know, for the first time and not knowing, you know, alcohol, you know, um, it was just kind of like, or remember ordering things that I remember hearing, you know, like, I can't even remember now, you know, Um, and I'm getting so sick. Uh, but it was just that, you know, we did have an we did have a fun time, you know, um, it was just like, oh, even without the drinking, you know, this is something that people enjoy, vacations, you know, or having fun, going, spending time, you know, and I don't know that 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 wouldn't have been something that I would have been able to do with anybody else in church mm-hmm. uh, Again, even without the drinking. Um, so, you know, as you know, once we came back and um, just I we started spending more time together going, you know, started going out. Um, I started getting attention um, from from males outside the church. And it was just like, oh, this all of a sudden, you know, like I said this low self-esteem that I had, I'm like, oh, i guess I'm not as hideous, you know, <laughs> as I thought, or okay. but it's just the wrong, you know, or not the right audience. Um but so, you're just
0: experiencing teenage stuff, right? Like you're just yeah, experiencing- so by this
1: time I am so I finished up my the X ray program. I'm 19, mm-hmm. um started the nursing program, I'm 20, so 21. Yeah, early, early adult yeah. and, and yeah, so this kind of all led up to um just starting to meet people and still going to church though, um, and still you know being very aware and trying to, you know, be cautious about not crossing certain lines because I was afraid. I mean, there's you know much of the messages, um, like you mentioned it with hell or rapture, um. It's, and it's, you know, a lot of it is biblical, it is scriptural, um, but just the way it's fed to you, you know, so it's always um, talking about backsliding, you know, being like a dog returning to their vomit and, um, you know, you're either hot or cold, there's no in between, turn or burn, you know, black or white. And so um, eventually it I... I felt like I did kind of cross a line to where I could no longer, with you know, without guilt or condemnation, continue going to church. Um, I, at that time, that was '95. So I was 23 years old, but I remember the the fear that I had um, in in that time, right after, especially leaving church. I would say that at least the first six months. I mean, when I was driving, you know, kind of being like super cautious, super careful, because I'm thinking if I'm in an accident and die, I'm gonna go to hell, you know, if, um, you know, any kind of thing that I, I needed to like just stay alive, pretty much. Um, and eventually, though, it, it almost kind of like I wound up going. To, I feel like so far and extreme because of the beliefs. So I like I said, probably six months it was still kind of very, you know, fearful. And then after like six months out, I felt like, okay, well, if I'm gonna go to hell anyway, just for having left the church, well, I may as well do this or that because I'm gonna go to hell anyway. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like again, you know, there was no it was a, very much an imbalance. I um, wanted well, getting my first tattoo, you know, at that time to um the yin and yang because I felt like, you know, it's like Perfect. not, you know, that it was that lack. I recognize that lack of balance um after, yeah. That
0: Yeah. So you were just do enjoying life as a young 20 something year old um but then having to feel that guilt and and, you know, the fear and the fear and the fear and the fear. And it just piles, piles, piles. And so at this point, even after you leave, you don't really consider this place a cult, right? It's not until you meet mm-hmm. your husband and share some stories. Um, and yeah, yeah. I really felt like for a long
1: time that it was just my own doing that it was. um, Yeah, I just decided that. I wanted to do my own thing. And that wasn't, you know, and the the church taught that that was wrong. That was right. So I could no longer be there. Like, you know, like I wasn't, in other words, I wasn't kicked out. I kicked myself out. um, Mm -hmm. Because I, I chose to, you know, make these decisions that I know were were not right um, as far as the church went. And, so about a year and a half um, after I left. Um, I did, you know, date during that time, and I eventually wound up meeting my husband, now husband, um, and it, it progressed really quickly. You know, we, we met end of January, moved in by March, got engaged by May, and um, by that time, I'm 25. He's 29, and He was a military guy that had been on his own and he was ready for that next step. And I've been ready since I was 18, you know, to start a family 18, 20 years old. So, you know, we started talking about having a family, you know, right away. And, but one of the things that I told him, it was like, okay. And like, I, I recognize that this last year and a half that I've been out of church and doing my own thing and experiencing, yeah, young adult life. Um, That I was still, I was not right with God during that time. And that now we're going to get married and start a family that I need to get things right. Because it would no longer just be about me, but, you know, um, that I would have this responsibility. And um, so I talked about, you know, if we're going to get married, I also want to go back to church. Um, He had not that some similar similarities in the background um again I had initially been brought up catholic he was brought up lutheran he became saved or became a christian as a teenager in a youth group and um but neither of us were were serving god when we met um but i told him you know this is this is something that i knew that i need to do like i've been in the wrong this past time and i need to get things right and this is a perfect opportunity so he was in agreement with me on that and um but having only you know, known the Catholic Church and then salvation having been in the door, my initial thought is okay. We're going to go back to church. We're going to go back to the door. And um, I remember him telling me, and I thank God you know, still to this day that he was like, no, no, you know, if we're going to go to a church, you know, they want us to go to a church where we can have kind of like a fresh start. Our own, you know, as a family, we'll we'll have find our own church and, and yeah, and that's what we wound up doing. And, um, still, yeah, to this day, um, we, we consider ourselves a a Christian couple or Christian family. So like, I don't know. I feel like I never lost that faith. Um, again, when I, you know, thinking back those early years that I got married and had kids, I would still say that it was all my own doing. And I didn't recognize anything necessarily with the church. Um, when that came, but actually, my husband did. I did share stories about, um, you know, when we were dating about me having been in church and like no TV. Um, being allowed and no dating outside the church and different things, and I remember him being, I think, one of the first ones that I ever remarked that that sounded like or that it was a cult. And I remember thinking, no, 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 you just don't understand. Like, you know, that you didn't go there. Like, it's not. But I, it was nothing that I really took to to heart at that time. Um, and I mean, I still, even when during that time that I was gone in the first few years, I still had family in the church. Um, yeah, that I had brought in my two sisters at one time. She was only one was attending at that time, but had my nephew, my niece, I had brought in, uh, former coworkers, schoolmates, you know, so So you
0: were a good converter. (sighs) Yeah. I mean, and and I think it's because you're genuine, like being genuine and authentic. I think that has to do um with the fact is like you're still who you are in that place um and if you're a genuine person you're a genuine person you know what I mean and a lot of these people that are converting they are genuine in the fact that they really believe that they're doing the greater good um but just like the woman who knocked on your door and you know 35 years later or whatever it was like oh my gosh I'm so sorry that I ever you know did that because she helped bring you into this environment that ended up um, being a cult, um, and you went in in 1980, was it 83? 87 you went in at ni- 1987. Um, and uh, did you know at that time, probably not because you were 15, that they had already been in the media and in the news at that point of having cult ap- attributes and all kinds of, of rumors and stories going on about them that are you can find it even on YouTube today. Um, news stories. Um, I think it was early 80s, late 70s of the Potter South being a cult.
1: Yeah, no, I had no clue. Um, I I think, you know, part age, partly my age that that wasn't something that I would have thought to research. But even then, I mean social media, internet was not, you know, huge at that time and then the fact that they did encourage no TV. So it was like yeah, I was, unless somebody told me Directly, or I uh, didn't know.
0: Right, and that I—that's the beauty of now um, having such a widespread of you know social media, mm-hmm. and is the fact is um, that you are able to research and figure out on your own, even if you have to do it secretly, like mm-hmm. I did. I um, secretly um, because social media was discouraged. Um, I you know I couldn't be on Facebook, I couldn't be on Instagram, um, and so I I did a Twitter. And mm-hmm. I eventually had to erase my delete my Twitter because they found out that I had a Twitter, um, mm-hmm. and they they basically did a whole sermon about how that was so bad and you needed to get off of there. So even though they weren't pinpointing me, it they it was like they did. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I went home and deleted it. But what happened was I eventually uh, started a anonymous mm-hmm. Twitter so they wouldn't know it was me. And thankfully through that, I was able to come into contact with some people through Twitter and they were professionals um, that were outside of this, uh, this place. And they um, definitely um, basically were the, were the, one of the first ones to tell me, um, I think you're in a cult. And it was like, a, you know, a slap in the face. Cause it was like, no one's ever, ever really told me that to my, to me, like, to you know, through one-on-one, they basically were like, I, I, and they were professional and they were like, I think you're in a cult. And, and thankfully that led me to researching about it. And mm-hmm. then I was able to leave, but I still didn't want to call it a cult because if you say you're in a cult, people will think you're dumb. You're not smart. Um, they have all these labels on you. Um, I think you don't so- want to admit
1: it to yourself either though. I mean, it's just, mm-hmm. cause that's like, yeah, reflective of you, what, how, you know, right. that I didn't recognize.
0: Yeah, exactly. And so, um, but thankfully um, I, you know, by me admitting that it was a cold, I was able to research and I'm, you know, and, and a lot of the people that have left and that are leaving are now knowing the truth. And so stories like yours, Juanita are very, very brave. And so I definitely want to thank you again for coming on here and sharing your story and, and giving a taste of those that come into this place. And they may not stay very long, um, but they do feel and see the red flags. And even though they might say, oh, maybe it's just me, maybe it's just me. Um, I really hope that your story can show them that um, these red red flags are real. Trust yourself, trust your intuition. And I know that in this place, we're not encouraged. uh, We weren't encouraged to uh, trust ourselves and trust our intuition. So we have no idea how that even feels. And so researching it is what's going to help you is finding people outside of this environment, professionals, even that can hear your story and say, I, you're in a cult."
1: Yeah. And I will say just quickly is, you know, like I mentioned, I, I came out of it. I was still, you know, my family was still in there. I did attend weddings. I do harvest festivals, like no ill will at all. It didn't really hit me until. My some of my families and friends started leaving, and they sought me out mm. at knowing how it had been you know, had been out a while now and was still able to serve God and um you know, coming to me with like those fears, um, one of them that was so fearful and trying to find any church to give a tithe to after she left just because she was so fearful of God like striking her finances and you know that she would be, you know because she was robbing God, and so trying to find a church to give her money to, oh my um, or that, and she wound up getting pregnant out of wedlock, and being afraid that the baby was going to have some kind of deformities, or anything. just because all, you know, the curses and the things that they say oh will happen when you leave. But, nice. um, and and so it, that's actually, you know, because I, I I've seen some comments, um, you know, over time, people say, you know, that happened so long ago, why, why are you people still, you know, some of you still kind of feeding on this, or like, and I said, for me, I, you know, it, it really didn't even seem like an issue until, cause I wasn't as affected or I guess damaged um, maybe personally, but I have seen since as I've people that I love and that I brought in and have left had very different experiences and mm-hmm. uh, you know, same teachings but they were just much more affected because they they listened a little bit um, more to what the pastor had to say, maybe. <laughs> yeah,
0: they, they climbed the ladder. Um, and when I say it like that, it sounds like you're just like, you know, it's almost like a business, but it, you know, if you, it, I don't know another word to say it, but if you're climbing the ladder it's almost like you're just trying to get closer to God Um, and I'm speaking with experience. Mm -hmm. And so we'll do whatever it takes to get up there. Um, But basically at the end of the day, I feel like you're just, um, you're submitting to a man that is, could be narcissistic, um, you know, abusive and uh, you know, psychologically emotional and and other claims of course. But um, I just want to ask you this question are today, how are you in your life? Are you happy? Very
1: much so. Yeah. Um, and,
0: I, and I, cause I want to ask that because it, one of the things is if you leave this place, you will be miserable. You will not be happy anywhere else. So I do, I, you look happy. So I want to make sure. So people Yeah. Can.
1: Yeah. Like I said, I definitely, um, heard about uh, it was somebody I had run into a few years after I first got married, had my first son. Um, and it's like, Oh yeah, I'm in, you know, I finished nursing school. I'm a nurse now. And I have my, you know, my son and they're like, and I remember her commenting something along the lines of like, Oh, you know, God had such, you know, like I was so, should be thankful that God had such grace on my life because that, like, that was not kind of the way things nor- should have gone or, but by God's grace. Uh, and yeah, God is graceful. Um, but I so my husband and I met, you know, we've just celebrated 25 years in September. Oh, have two young, thank you, two young grown adult men. My um youngest is in the Navy now. Um and still working as a nurse. I'm Kind of the best of both worlds I work part-time work from home a lot of the time so I'm still kind of that degreed housewife <laughs> um, that I kind of wanted to be yeah. uh, I did go on um even you know after about a few years being married went, up, got, went ahead and got my master's degree too um and but yeah I mean God's been good and
0: um, yeah I just it just it just shows that um without the fear, right. You can live a life without fear. You can be happy. You don't have to do like the rules and the, the, their rules to be happy. And that's what I love about.
1: Yeah. The whole, I mean, I would hear about
0: legalism even there, you know,
1: but it's like, they didn't recognize their own words, you know? Oh, of course not. Yeah. It, it's, it was really man. And you know, what about the Holy spirit being, you know, the, the, the one that, convicts you and you know guides you tells you, you know that you're wrong rather than or or what you should or shouldn't do. And so yeah, it, it's that whole living in freedom um in you know under grace and victory and it's be, my accountability is to God alone, you know, and not having to um, revere or worship a man and depend be dependent on his word alone as gospel,
0: <laughs> right? And so, I want to leave this interview with one with your words. Um, if somebody happens to be watching, um, that is still inside of this cult, it could be you know a teenager, um, it could even be a pastor's daughter, a pastor's mm-hmm. son, um, it could be someone who already started their own cult, their own baby cult, their own baby mm-hmm. church. Anybody who's watching, because I really hope that this this interview is shared um, and eventually leads to so many that may be in that place. And they, they don't have they're not they're not on social media because it's so evil and they and they can't have a TV because it's so evil and they can't be reading, you know, worldly books because it's evil. Then but they happen to come on their, But they have YouTube. <laughs> so, yeah or that my Spotify uh, podcast and you're listening to this, um, what would you tell them? What is something that you would like to leave them with? If they're watching this and they're confused, they they feel like something's not right. They feel like things have been going on. That are not okay, not okay. And they feel it, but they don't know what to do. What, what are some words you would like to leave them with?
1: Um... I mean, I, I want to point them to read the scripture for themselves, but I know that even, you know, when you hear something so often that it it's hard to think otherwise, um, I still sometimes find myself, you know, having initial reactions to things like the word chiropractor or, you know, certain things just because mm. of um, sermons that I heard so long ago. Right. Uh, t- triggered, you know, but. Um, mm.
0: Triggered. You know, yeah, I read
1: read the word of god you know for yourself and seek out other and it's hard i know because when you're that's your whole world and you don't have any other contact but if you're you know in a workplace or in a a school and you come across somebody else who identifies as a christian you know even just having the conversation um about you know some of the beliefs and bouncing them off of people just to get that other perspective. I mean, I, I, mm-hmm. ideally I would say like a professional, even as a psychologist, psychiatrist, yes. you know, therapist, but I know that that's not going to be somebody's first go-to that's in the church. That's, so that's what I'm thinking. Anybody right. else that, who you, you know, have come to maybe respect as well. Um, you know, even if they, hopefully they, identify maybe as a Christian if that's you know where you're but even if they don't if it's somebody that you respect just having some conversation and um because it's always with a lot of things sometimes others can see what we're not able to see um right. and so yeah it's And a lot of times you don't know until you're out of that environment, take a vacation, like just right, removed from the environment for a little bit. Does not automatically mean like that you have fallen away from God. You can be with Mm -hmm. God wherever you are. God is a big God. He's not confined to a building.
0: Right. So get out of that box. That's what I'm saying. Get get out of that box for a little bit. Right.
1: (laughs) Church is the people. Church is the people of God. It's not a building. It's not a fellowship, you know, and, it's um yeah I, I just encouraged to to read read your word do some research um, as Mandy said you know there's a lot of information out there um, news stories people's testimonies uh, ask questions of people that you mm-hmm. trust and if you can you know find a therapist you know maybe you have an er- That is that EAP through your work or school advantage, you know?
0: Yeah. And Google.
1: Because I I know, like you said, a lot of things you have to almost do in secret when you're there. And um, so those are like maybe some.
0: Awesome. Definitely. Um, There's also, I think his name is Steve Eichel. Um, If you Google him, he does research on cult environments. And so he has the bite model and you can look that up um, the bite model. If you just Google the bite model, um, you will see the attributes and the list of what is considered a cult with, um, you know, he's a professional and he researches about cults and, um, you will, I mean, just take that list and see if the Potter South or the door is on that list of things Mm -hmm. that would be considered a cult and start there. And you might be surprised and you also might, um, feel like, oh my gosh, um, I kind of felt this, but I didn't know how to think it because I was too scared and fearful. So, yes, definitely I would recommend getting outside of that box and finding um, help. Um, and so definitely want to thank you again, Juanita Estrada Brown. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you, everybody, for watching and replaying. And check out some links below. Be my uh, my own personal interview that I have done um, if you want to know more about my story, the link is going to be below. And then also I've done other interviews. So subscribe to my channel. There will be more interviews coming next in 2023. And I'm so excited for to share um, You know, everybody's stories that are willing to share. And thank you all so much. Thank you, Juanita, again. I'm so glad you're happy and you're free. And I love your story. I love what you shared about doing it. I feel like you did it your own way and you broke through their limitations. And at the end, um, you know, I could have only hoped that I could have done it like that. Um, I didn't. Um, so I have my own story, but I, it, it gives me hope to know that somebody can come into this place and be like, you know what, I'm going to do the opposite of what they're saying. <laughs> and your strength is admirable. And I just, I thank you so much for sharing your story.
1: Yeah. Thank you again for having me. Awesome.
0: All right. Well, until next time, everybody, we'll see you again on Mandy Speaks Up podcast on Spotify and YouTube. Thank you.